just like that, it is a Friday. Welcome in, everybody. How are all of you? I'm excited. I tell you what, this week flew by. You know, the week before you go on vacation, it's usually like the longest week. This week has actually gone, it's been a lot of fun. For one, football being back obviously helps that. And we got a lot of football on deck that we'll be talking about here today. Browns will be in action 1 o'clock on Sunday. They kick off against the Ravens. The Bengals of course will be a couple hours later, about 4.05 and we kick off again. It'll be Bengals and Chargers. And uh, yeah, we're just a few days away from that. NFL kicked off last night and uh, well, the Chiefs picked up basically where they left off a year ago. Um, the Texans too. A lot to be uh, desired for, I tell you that much as far as that's concerned. Definitely. So, but you do fantasy football. I used to, but uh, like I talked about the other day, I haven't gotten into any leagues. Just no one seems ready for the season to start. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, it does start. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about it. Uh, and then they just never materialize. Yeah, see, we, uh, I've only, I only did one this year because I usually don't like to do the – I don't like to do the season-long fantasy football leagues too often. I jumped in with a few friends uh, for this year. I'm one of those. I like the instant gratification. I like winning the money right away, or I like knowing that I've lost all my money right away. So uh, I do FanDuel, DraftKings, all that fun stuff. Nice. So, uh, yeah, that's where kind of I go. But um, I, with one of my first picks, I took uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Smart move. So that was smart. And I saw, uh, who was it the other day on ESPN talking about that? Uh, the Monday, He's on Monday Night Football now. The new guy on Monday Night Football. What's the new team there? It was great radio. Uh, but either way, they were saying, hey, the sleeper in all the in all the uh, fantasy football drafts is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Lewis Riddick. Yeah, he, he was saying that he took the, him too. That was after I did. And I, I felt pretty good. <laughs> so I felt pretty smart that I was able to take the gamble. But I'm, I'm telling you this right now. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is another example that fits my narrative about the running backs. Every year, a star running back comes into the league. Every year. Every year, a star is born as far as the, as far as the running back position goes, which is why it amazes me that we are still continuing to see big dollars being floated out there for running backs. I mean, this year, it's going to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Next year, it's going to be ETN. Uh, and then, obviously, the year after that, and again, Ohio State has some nice nice running backs coming in, too. So it'll be a few years before they're out. Uh, but, the, you know, again, every year, there are more stars coming in. And by the way, we always talk about the big names who dominate in college for the bigger schools. But then it's guys like Kareem Hunt who come into the league that you don't give a lot of attention when they're in college, and they take it by storm. So I went from Kareem Hunt to Nick Chubb. Last year, who was the star back I'm trying to last year a rookie back. Who was one of the top, who was some of the top rookie backs last year? Um, Josh Jacobs. So Josh Jacobs. So like every year a new star comes in, and now again it's one game. But Clyde edwards lair uh, he he fit. That was an excellent draft pick by the Chiefs. So when I criticize the Bengals for giving twelve and a half million, uh, of course to Joe Mixon, it's not because I don't like he's talented enough or deserves it, but it's because. I just think you got to be smarter with your money. You, you don't put a bunch of money into something that you can go get cheaper elsewhere. And if you do, then more power to you. But uh, I'm just saying. So help, Clyde, thank you, help, Clyde Edwards. Helps to play for that team, though. No, it doesn't. Jacob played for the Raiders. Who cares? He still came in and right. <laughs> I mean, like it does. You're right. It does help. But I prom. I mean, it does help. But we. I mean, uh, Nick Chubb goes to a bad Browns team. He kicks ass. Uh, I'm just saying, like I just like, these these running backs come into the league every year and take off running. It just you continues act, you to fuel like my fire. You plug me back there, and it just well, no, not you. You're not <laughs> a running back. You're not a running I, back. I played running back in middle school. Well, you maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> if they put Kev Nash back there, something special happens. Um, but all I'm saying is, is what is the what position out there has the most talent at it at every you know at every level? It seems running back. 
running back to me. And, and in college, the only reason we don't talk about running backs as much as we used to is because now it's all about the air it out pass. I mean, look at every team that makes the playoff. It's the, you know, pro style offenses. It's all about, the, you know, the spread offense. It's all, you know, th- that's why to me, you know, not that there's no star running backs in college, but they don't get the majority of the focus. Right. They don't get that focus till they get to the NFL, and it's like, holy crap! Like, man, I can't believe. Like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, we weren't talking about him at all last year until we got to the college football playoff, and then that's when he really got noticed because all eyes were on, you know, every talking piece was talking about Joe Burrow throughout the year. Same thing with ETN and Clemson. Um, J.K. Dobbins was at least a star that was developed over a couple of years, so a lot of eyes were on him to begin with, and I think the reason he got more attention than other backs is because Justin Fields. You knew who he was coming in, but he was still a question mark. You knew that J.K. Dobbins was the star the second that last season kicked off. So I think that helped. And then obviously Jonathan Taylor, he was Wisconsin. He he was yeah. their offense, so that's why he was such a big name as far as that. But the reason, like the ETNs and the Clyde Edwards-Lair, you know they're good, but you don't talk about them. You don't think of ETN, you think of Trevor Lawrence. You don't think of Clyde Edwards-Lair, you think of Joe Burrow. That's just how it works. And if, if uh, Justin Fields would have been with the Buckeyes the year before, we're probably not talking as much about J.K. because we're always talking about Justin Fields as far as that goes. Quarterbacks ruled world, man. Um, the days of the Ron Dane and LaDainian Thomason getting 40-something carries outside of playing at Wisconsin are just far and few between because of the style of offense that's ran now. I mean, it goes back to think about how, you know, Denard Robinson – was always a September Heisman winner because he just broke onto the scene. Yeah. As a sophomore and junior year, he was just running rough shot. And, you know, it's a lot of responsibility put on the quarterback. So those rushing numbers that will go to a running back are now going to a lot of quarterbacks. And also, hey, they get to throw the ball a ton. So all those stats that go to running backs back in the day, they're all mashed into the quarterback if you have a dynamic quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I mean – there are a ton of running backs out there, a ton of explosive running backs out there. There's no question about that. And uh, there's going to be a lot more interesting in the league next year. There's always There's so many that teams have two dynamic backs. I mean, the Browns have two of the top running backs in the National Football League. I believe once we get a few games from the Colts, you're going to see they have two of the top. Well, you can't have like a bunch of teams have two of the top ten running backs. But, I mean, <laughs> but that's kind of where we're at as far as that is concerned. It's the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash live here on 1410 ESPN Radio on a Friday. We're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube, ESPN. ESPN Dayton's YouTube channel. Make sure you go and subscribe and hang out with us weekdays from 3 to 6. Same thing. Every one of you have Facebook, so go and search the Justin Kinner Show on Facebook. Like the page, follow the page, and hang out with us weekdays from 3 to 6. Of course, you can comment in the comments section and interact with us that way. Uh, Doug Morgan says they are scary good talking about the Chiefs. That score really wasn't even that close. They may not lose a game. Hashtag hot take. Uh, but again, yeah, the Chiefs did look in mid-season form. By the way, the, the face shields, the masks, I know um, some of those rules aren't really about player safety and everything. they got to stop it. The ma- Like the masks on the sideline, if you're practicing every day with these guys without masks, why do we need to try to pretend that we're doing the right thing on game nights? Poor Andy Reid. Look, I, I know from if being a heavy set guy myself, we breathe heavier than most people. All right, We have a lot more hot air than most people. And there he is. I mean, just he looked like the, the guy in Jurassic Park. You know, you know his glasses kept fogging up like that. That's who he reminded me of. Stop it with that. They don't need masks on the sideline. They don't need the, the face shields. Just stop it. You, this isn't a restaurant. This isn't going to Walmart. Uh, you're not out in a crowded setting. This is your work. You're around these guys every day. You're not wearing masks at practice every day. So why are you putting on this little charade on, on game days and game nights? It's ridiculous. He looked like a moron, and it wasn't even his fault. they got to stop that. They are wearing 
masks and shields at practice. Have you seen the pictures that come out during practice? They yeah. are not. I see the Browns and uh, on um, Hard Docs. Well, I'm sure they are for the right footage. But the <laughs> bottom line is, it's stupid to make them wear them at practice. Like it's it's dumb. It really is dumb. Uh, I mean, you're you're playing a game. I mean, they don't even when you go to Planet Fitness or something, they're telling you, hey, you don't have to have your masks on when you're working out. When you come into the building, fine. But you know, take them off whenever you're working out. Same thing here. This is just to make it look like we're doing the right thing, and it just it gets old. Like I don't need no. It, it's stupid. That was ridiculous last night. Andy Reid couldn't even see. Which, by the way, that's how good they are. He didn't even he didn't even know what the hell was going on. He was looking around like, did we score? Did we score? That's kind of where he was. For a shield. All right. you one of those shields. I know somebody that has a ton of them that you can use. What? Those one of the shields. Oh yeah, no kidding. Uh, so Trody says two days away of seeing how bad the Browns suck this year. <laughs> well, the good news is is they don't kick off with uh, the Titans like last year, and the even worse news is it's the Ravens. So we'll talk about that coming up. Uh, Justin Kinner, Kev Nash will bring you our three and outs coming up. Three reasons the Browns will win. Three reasons the Browns will lose. We'll do the same thing for your Cincinnati Bengals. Three reasons that the Bengals will win and three reasons that they will lose. I might have ten reasons why the Bengals will lose, but that's you know that's that that's so coming up. It's coming up here around the corner. College football kicks off technically this weekend. Well, it kicked off last weekend, but like the ACC is kicking off coming up this weekend. And uh, I, I tell you what, um, it's things got a little saltier yesterday. We didn't even get into it. Uh, Ryan Day put out a statement yesterday um, that really kind of attacked, uh, obviously, the commissioner of the Big Ten um, and just really, again, no clarity. And then, of course, today it was announced that Ohio State guard Wyatt Davis, which, you know, obviously a projected first-round draft pick, he opts out. He opts out of this coming up season, and uh, I mean, he states a lot of, "Hey, I was kind of holding out and holding out and holding out, waiting to see what was going to be coming next." Um, and he goes on to again, his comments are being talked about a lot. He says, "You know, uh, Buckeye for life cannot uh, thank Buckeye Nation enough for the support these past three years. Words cannot explain how much I will miss these guys, uh, miss playing in the shoe." And then he goes on to say he feels bad for Gene Smith and he feels bad for Ryan Day, who continue to get no answers from the top. And this is the problem I have. Kev, when people keep saying that the Big Ten, that they are, they, you know, what was the tweet I saw earlier? Hold on, let me let me pull this up because I want to make sure um, I read this correctly. And of course, my phone's not loading right now, so I'll wait on this. But the Big Ten, everyone is saying how clarity needs to be involved. They need to be transparent. Let me ask you something. Do you think that the Big Ten is being less transparent than the SEC, ACC, and Big Twelve? And here's why. I don't think the SEC and those conferences have given any more reason for why they are playing than what the Big Ten has given for why they're not playing. Right. And the reason is, is because fans want the teams to play. The mm-hmm. players want to play. The coaches want to coach. The ADs want to make their money. So when the ACC and the SEC come out and say, hey, we're going to play during a pandemic, Kev, no one asks questions. Right. You might have a few but they're they're not allowed they're not the loud majority. You know, you might have a few that are asking questions and those ones who ask questions are probably the ones that opted out because of health concerns. So mm-hmm. what I'm saying is is we need to stop putting a star on the chart of the ACC and the SEC. The only reason they're not getting as much push, uh, as much pushback is because they are giving the people what they want. Right. Not what they need, but what they want. 
the Big Ten is not giving their fans and their players and their coaches what they want, and they're throwing temper tantrums about it, and it's getting a little annoying. And uh, I, I'll tell you, I want the Big Ten to play. I so badly want to watch Ohio State play this fall, but I, I'm getting a little annoyed when I keep hearing them say, we're not getting answers. You've had multiple answers. You just don't like the answers. You're like the 12-year-old. Hey, I want, I want that toy. No. Why? Because I said so. Why? Because I said so. Why? How come I can't have that toy? We don't have the money. How come we don't have that much money? Because I didn't work that many hours. How come we didn't work that? That's the Big Ten right now. They're being that annoying little child that just keeps playing the question game. Why? 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 Bam! Just backhand their asses and let's move on. Would you? I want there to be a Big Ten season. But I don't think that the Big Ten is being any less transparent than the ACC and the SEC and the other conferences, mainly because the Big Ten is being exploited, Kev, because of the fact that there's so much anger because right. it's the answer they don't want. The SEC gave the people what they wanted, but have they come out and said why they believe it's safe to play during a pandemic? Right. No, they haven't. Like, they want this list as to, they want an example. The Big Ten fans want an example. They want all these answers as to why there should not be a season this year. Well, the Big Ten's not providing that for, say, detail by detail, but I promise you this much, the ACC and the SEC, Kevin, I've looked it up, they haven't provided a, a document showing, hey, here's all the research we've done. Here's why it's safe to play this year. What They are doing the same thing the Big Ten is. The SEC is saying, our medical experts say that by following these protocols, we will be fine. We'll, it'll be safe to play. That's it. That's where it stops because people got what they wanted and they move on. Mm -hmm. The Big Ten, our medical experts are saying it's not safe to play. Boom. That's where they stopped. They stopped at the same exact spot as the other conferences. The difference is, is the Big Ten people did not like what they were hearing. So now they're throwing a temper tantrum. We had Jay uh, Paterno on yesterday, the son of Joe Paterno, legendary, you know, former legendary head coach at Penn State. He brought up a good point. I listened to some of that interview again yesterday, and there was just some things I'd kind of forgotten about throughout the show, Kev. 17 of the top 20 medical programs yep. in the country between the Big Ten and the Pac-12 all voted not to play. That's a lot of medical expertise that a lot of people out there are trying to say are full of crap and don't know what the hell they're talking about. Like, we talk, we talked that's about insane. This. We talked about this when it first happened. We talked about the level of school that is saying they're not going to play. We're talking about Northwestern, yep. Stanford, Michigan, Ohio State. Like These are some of the biggest, best, brightest minds in academia. Like this, there's no, Like we said it, there's no mystery why these schools aren't playing. In the SEC... There's one school that you can say, like, oh, yeah, that's a pretty big academic school, Vanderbilt. Yep. Okay, we can look at the Big 12, Baylor. I, was, I mean, all those probably are great places to get a, a higher education and everything like that. But when you're talking about, like, oh, man, I got a academic scholarship to Vanderbilt. I got an academic scholarship to Ohio State, Michigan, Stanford. Yep. Northwestern. You know you're dealing with a bright mind. It's no disrespect to yeah, them. Yeah, we're not calling schools. those kids dumb that are yeah, going down there. So, because you know how people will yeah, twist it. We yeah. know what we're dealing with. With I mean, okay, look, look at Andrew Luck. We think Andrew Luck, a football player, has an architect degree. In two years, that's the type of minds we're dealing with here. Not communications degrees. <laughs> By the way, I have a communications Me degree, too. and even I know that. Okay. That's what you but do that, when you can't are, figure anything else out. Those are the out. type of minds we're dealing with here. And I've been saying this as well. The Big Ten and Pac-12 doctors say this. The question shouldn't be saying, well, let me see what you're do doing to say you can't play. The question should be, well, what? why the hell are they playing? Why the hell are the ACC, 
SEC and Big 12 playing. What's up with that? That should be the question, not vice versa. And I've been saying that the whole time, and people look at me like I'm crazy. But, dude, look at this stuff. And you can people can twist it and say, oh, well, this doctor said it wasn't as serious as that. And microchiditis and da-da-da-da. Okay. And people can twist it and talk about, oh, man, the kid from California, Pennsylvania was overweight. That's why he died. He didn't die because of COVID. Every offense alignment, every defense alignment in the country is technically overweight. I've been saying from the jump that if you had COVID-19, it probably isn't safe for you to be playing a high-impact sport like football, basketball, cross-country, because your heart has not recovered. They've been saying it over and over again. They're saying people should not be playing these type of sports for at least 18 months to give their body and their heart and their lungs full enough time to heal. But people don't want to hear it. People don't care. They want to be entertained. And and with that, and by the way, and, and the know, athletes don't want to hear it either. No, the and again, the athletes are given the same information. But my problem with all of this is, and you've said this on multiple occasions, why is the Big Ten so angry and the Pac-12 has been fairly silent about this? And there's one reason. One, I mean, can you name a championship contender in the Pac-12? You can't. Right. Can you name one in the Big Ten? You can only name one, and that's the Ohio State University, which is fine. So Nicole Arbach with the Athletic mm-hmm. last night stated that in a tweet, and Bobby Carpenter. And every Buckeye fanatic that you could think of just literally destroyed her. Literally called her. I mean, she got death threats. Not by Bobby Carpenter. That's, I shouldn't position it that. It's not what I, I'm just saying. Like I was noticing a lot of former Buckeyes just destroying her because of this take, saying how dangerous that take of hers was. Folks, I don't think that's a take. I think that that is common sense. I know Buckeye fans, would, and I love you guys to death. I'm a Buckeye fan, too. Can but you give me an common example? Because I didn't see it, to so, be fair. No, she just tweeted out that, let's be clear, that it was Ryan Day's tweet. Mm-hmm. Ryan Day's tweet. And she said, basically, that the only reason this is as big a deal as it is is because Ohio State has a chance to win a championship. If they didn't have a chance to win a championship, they wouldn't be as loud. First of all, Buckeye fans, yes, they would be as loud. Even if they were a team projected to only win eight to nine games, they would still be just as loud because that's how crazy Buckeye fans are. But I do believe that the, you know, on top of that, you know, if Ryan Day had a roster on a rebuilding year, let's say he didn't have Justin Fields and he did have Tate Martell, okay? Let's say that he had Tate Martell. Let's say that he didn't have as talented a roster, Kev. Let's say that it was a transition year and that they weren't projected to be a college football playoff team. Would they be fighting as hard? No. The Buckeyes have actually come out and said, we felt really, you know, we felt like you took a championship opportunity away from us. And there's right. nothing, by the way, there's nothing wrong with saying that. I don't agree with Nicole Arbach in necessarily in regards to why that's a bad thing. If they, they want to play that bad, that's where that passion is coming from is, man, you took this opportunity right. from us. They're playing. Why can't we play? I get where the Buckeye fans and the Buckeyes are coming from as far as that's concerned. But when I see Bobby Carpenter and others, who I respect greatly, argue and say, oh, this has nothing to do with the Buckeyes having a chance to yes it does it has everything to do with them being able to win i don't know why Buckeye. like for one it's being shaped as a bad thing and it's not a bad thing to say we had a chance we have a chance to win the championship right. and you're taking it there's nothing wrong with that i have no issue i don't even get offended by it what i do get offended by is the why that's not why we just want what's right no you just want your way yeah, because you're not. Because technically what's right is if medical experts from the top medical schools in the country are telling you it's not safe to play, technically that's what's right. Um, I'm not even saying to follow that because my, selfishly I want there to be college football on Saturday. So that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. But it, it's it's very interesting to see how all of this is being dissected. As right, you're not concerned. teaming up with uh, Mac schools. 
you're not teaming up with those parents. Yep. Because, I mean, technically, there's more Mac schools in the state of Ohio. Well, there's only one Big Ten school in the state of Ohio. There's what? One, two, three, five Mac schools in the state of Ohio? You're not teaming up with them yeah, to say state that, fringe, you know, yeah. just on the outside. You're yeah. not teaming up with them to try to make sure they also have a football season. You're concerned about yourself, which is fine, because the Buckeyes Basically, have a great. It's a fend for yourself moment right now. Yeah, it's, it's every man, that. every man for himself, uh, survival of the fittest, whatever narrative you want to spin out there. It is because of that, and and to be perfectly honest, I do believe like the fan base and the team will be out there if this was a transitional year because we know how crazy we are as fans because we believe oh well shoot so and so wasn't good enough anyway let's get the next man up mentality he's gonna be better watch I'm gonna watch we're gonna show you like I believe it would be crazy but it's insane right now because the team is so good yep and they have a chance to win a championship and like you said there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong no, with, not. with saying, yeah, that's why we're doing it, because we want to win a championship. What's wrong with that? I don't see anything wrong with you saying that if that's one of your argument points. Like, I think you're wrong for wanting to play, but if your argument is, say, man, we want a chance to win a championship, yeah, I will say that. I will say that loud and brown. All right. Uh, and to reiterate what you said, and again, we're live on Facebook. Uh, your opinions, I want to hear from them in the Facebook chat, so head there now. Leave your comments in the comment section. Billy Wright on Facebook says that it's 100% uh, 100% championship plays into it, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and he goes on to say that's why a season played with no playoff chance is pointless. Exactly. Um, I, that's where I'm like, this is where some like uh, the, the Big Ten fans and Buckeye fans are getting a little... They're getting defensive. Like when I saw Bobby Carpenter and others try to say, it's no, this is about what's right. This isn't about championships. And they try to use Nebraska as an example. And I'm like, well, for one, Nebraska, I... I'm not, I haven't 100% put my finger on what exactly is going on there. Like they're very, I give. I mean, by the way, I'm surprised more schools aren't like Nebraska. But there's been a lot of silent schools too. We just talked to Jay Paterno yesterday, the son of Joe Paterno, and basically when we talked to him, even off the mic, yeah. he said, "Guys, it's not happening." <laughs> He said, like, do you realize like, they have, like, over 400 positive cases on their campus, over 1,000 at, uh, at Wisconsin. That alone right there, and no one's talking about that, of course, because, again, it's okay to be fans. Fans aren't paying attention to that. They're paying attention to, well, they're playing. How come we're not playing? Even though the answer to why we're not playing is kind of within your own conference. Two schools alone, you combine their cases together, and that's over 1,400 positive cases. <laughs> It's really not that hard to figure out. I want there to be a season. I wouldn't be angry if they did play a season. I'm not one of, you know, people keep saying the Corona Bros line and all that. Shut up with that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I'm not angry that they are, if they would play. I'm a little upset that they're not playing because selfishly the fan in me really wants to watch the Buckeyes every weekend. Right. But to sit here and do the holier-than-thou approach as, oh, no, we just we just want what's right. Folks, I'm telling you right now, the Big Ten is not being any less transparent than the other conferences. The difference between the Big Ten and the other conferences is those fans got what they wanted. The Big Ten fans did not. Big Ten fans are throwing a temper tantrum. The other fans are just happy they got what they wanted. The SEC fans don't care about the health concerns for the players that play college football or any sport. And you know what? I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but again, fans just want what they want. And we can't sit here and tell fans how to be fans in regards to, okay, you want us to really play during a pandemic? Great. We got to take the super uber fandom from you that supports us and puts money in our pocket and puts fans in the seats and all that stuff. So you can't only take fans whenever they're doing 
good things and then try to sit there. Like, it's not going to work that way. Like Fans dictate everything, unfortunately, mm-hmm. one way or another. And the Big Ten is a prime example of that as we sit here right now. Justin Kenner, Kev Nash with you here on a Friday. we got plenty more to get into. I'm excited for our ESPN Dayton High School Football Game of the Week tonight. We're going to be at Centerville, the Wayne Warriors, 1-1 one one on the season. We'll go up against another 1-1 one one opponent. The center- reasons why they'll lose, top three reasons why the Bengals will win. And top 100 reasons why they'll lose. We'll get to all of that coming up top of the hour. But when we come back, let's take a look at some of the biggest games in college football. And Kevin and I will give you some of our upset alerts as well in the world of college football. Don't go anywhere. and Bengals will both win their games this weekend and three reasons why they won't win their games coming up this weekend. Again, the the Browns have the Ravens, a 1 o'clock kickoff coming up on Sunday, and of course the Bengals uh, will be at home versus the Chargers. Both teams uh, are not favored to win either of those games, so we are excited uh, to talk about that coming up here in just a moment. Now, have you had a chance, Kev, to take a look at the schedule coming up this week for college football? And uh, again, there's just so much missing. The SEC is not kicking off yet either, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. The ACC is okay. I'm not, like, you know, turned away by I, – I care about Cincinnati. I really am excited to watch Cincinnati. It, again, it takes a lot of teams not being eligible to play before I care about watching Cincinnati. But I am excited to Respect see what Cincinnati does. I, I'm, I'm going to watch Cincinnati long enough to where people become delusional to think that they actually are a top-four team in the country, and then I'm probably going to start rooting against them because, come on, like, they are really good. Uh, they're going to win a lot of games. They're going to be probably end up being in the top ten just by process of elimination of certain teams not being eligible to be ranked and played in 2020. But, again, it's all about taking – advantage of the opportunity in front of you. This is a big season for Cincinnati. It was going to be a big season for Cincinnati regardless of the teams playing or not, but because of the opportunity at hand, there's so many teams that have been now eliminated from in front of you. There's so many teams that are always in front of those American Conference teams, Mm -hmm. and now they're taken out of the fold. This is a big opportunity for the Bearcats, and I think that they definitely need to, you know, capitalize on it. I think they have a chance. They go undefeated. The committee's putting, unless you have four undefeated Power 5 teams, Cincinnati is getting in if they go undefeated. Absolutely, and they deserve to because in the crazy season that this is, you got to fill those slots some way. You know, people always talk about, how are they ranked in the top 15? Alabama, they they didn't play anybody. Mississippi State ranked 21st. Well, you know what? You got to rank somebody. (laughs) And in this season, oh, boy, teams that you never even heard of are going to be ranked. (laughs) It's going to be crazy. I don't think, actually, I don't know if that's the case. I think you're just going to see a lot more of the Power Five. Like, you're just going to see a lot of ACC and SEC teams forced. Basketball style, huh? Right? That's normally how basketball does it. Like, last year, the Big Ten, for basketball, if the NCAA tournament would have happened, 12 of the 14 Big Ten teams would have played in the NCAA tournament. That's unheard of. You would have had teams that lost double-digit games uh, be ranked and in versus maybe two to three lost teams in some of the smaller conferences elsewhere that, you know, aren't going to get as much love. And by the way, it might be an elitist mentality, but like, I I think sometimes we try to force the Cinderella stories too much. Like common sense tells you that the only reason that you have the record you do is because you're not playing the same amount of the same, you know, toughness of opponents and schedules as what some of the power fives are. I mean, for instance, the big 10, you were playing a top 25 team every single night. There were no off nights in the mm-hmm. big 10 last year. You didn't get to go up against some of the smaller teams uh, in those, you know, in those smaller conferences from a basketball perspective, of course. Right. So I'm curious, like, no, that's a good point though. I mean, we could, 
We could see the top 25 feature a lot of new teams in it this year because of that. But I don't know if that's where that's actually going to go. I think you'll just see a lot more. You'll see a lot more average ACC and SEC and Big 12 teams being shoved into the top 25 versus, oh, look, only a one-loss American Conference team that probably wouldn't be getting as much love any other year. But because of the openings, I'm curious how the committee approaches that. Not only the committee, but the voters for the AP and the coaches and everything else. But uh, you're probably, you might be right. We're all just going to have to see. But I always, and I'm always going to say this until forever, a UC is better than um, Virginia. I just think that. I think UC is a better football team than Virginia, who's constantly always ranked. Uh, these smaller schools, they just don't get the love because they're not in a big conference. You know, there was a point in the season last year where uh, a four-loss team was ranked ahead of UC. Yeah, okay, they can say they play in a rougher conference, but the teams that they're beating in that difficult conference are trash. They didn't beat any of the big dogs. They didn't beat the But Georgia. sometimes the trash teams that they're beating are better than the best teams in the American conference. Vanderbilt is not beating UC. Vandy's not beating UC. It's close. <laughs> it's cl- I just, I mean, sometimes we make things harder than they are. Vandy's not beating UC. Sometimes, I mean, it's an elitist mentality, but we're make, we make it harder than just it is. Just because you're, those other teams in the conference are good don't that, make you good. You're all about that square peg in the round hole thing, man. But what I'm, what I'm saying is just because that school is good don't make you good. Like, okay, take this for instance. My brother, uh, in, his, in his prime, he ran a 4-4-40. Just because my brother ran a four four forty doesn't mean I was running a four four forty. It's not. It's like the same thing where they're chanting SEC, SEC. Hey, yo, Tennessee, you haven't won in thirty years. Why are you chanting SEC, SEC for their national championship for LSU's national championship? LSU has the right to do that. Mm-hmm. Bama sure does. Even Georgia may be able to say, shoot, Florida can get involved too. But the rest of y'all bums. Y'all don't get to do that. Well, I mean, they're only being held. By the way, what makes you think that Cincinnati would perform any better than a Tennessee or anyone else in the SEC? Or, uh, I mean, even Iowa. Would Cincinnati be a better Big Ten team than an Iowa? Yes. Not even close. Yes. Not even. They would, first of all, Cincinnati. Will they're always about get the, the same. Scrub. To me, they, they're about the same. They would get all of the scrubs out of Ohio anyway. They would get all the secondary scrubs out of Ohio anyway. Like, if you think, like, the... And, that, that's and why, why do you, to those players. Why I'm, do you think Kentucky's so good in the SEC? Because they get all the Ohio kids now. That's What's what's good about that? What's good about the SEC? What's good about Kentucky? They've been uh, terrible. Now they're, We literally put a four-loss Kentucky team in our arms and we rock it to sleep but, like a baby and talk about how cute it is. What yeah, you, what I'm saying is they get the three-star guys from Ohio and now they're winning eight games a year. But before they started getting the guys from Ohio, they were not even in bowl games. Back when, back when Michigan was actually good and winning games and mm-hmm. actually beating Ohio, they were getting Ohio kids. When Michigan State was beating Ohio State, a ton of their guys were from Ohio. Ton of their three-star guys from Ohio. Then, oh, miraculously, they stopped going to Michigan State. They started going to Kentucky, and now Kentucky's winning. And, but what's that getting them? Winning what? What are they winning? But they're winning more. <laughs> but what are they winning? Like you're still in crap bowl games. You're still looked at as the basketball school. Of course, you're still, they're a basketball and, 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 school. They're always going to be a basketball. school. Cincinnati's sport. always going to be a basketball. For sure. School. So I just I, I don't see Cincinnati. So it's all or nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I, I don't get it. Like, we assume that's what we do. Well, like, we, no one, 
I just, I, I don't get, so Cincinnati, and by the way, you put Iowa in the American Conference, if you switch them out, Iowa would dominate the American Conference, and we'd be sitting there saying, man, Iowa, I mean, they're undefeated, they're getting no love, they should be in the, they should be getting some more love from the college football playoff committee. No, we wouldn't be giving them love. So why are we doing that with Cincinnati? Because, oh, because Luke Fickle, he had a cup of coffee with the Buckeyes once, and he spilled it, by the way. <laughs> just do. No, uh, Iowa constantly is losing to Mac schools. Constantly. Yes. Constantly. I'm yes. I'm pulling up the record now. I am pulling up the Iowa. I'm going to do what Big Ten fans are doing with the medical stuff. Prove it. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not credible. I bet those aren't even real stats. What was the thing we looked at, the, the conference records and everything like that? Oh. It didn't include It didn't include the I Mac. I had to save that on my desktop. Yeah, I got to find that. It didn't include the Mac, but I think either way. We'd have to look for that as far as that's concerned. But no, I, I and let's, okay, four five seven nine four six four. Let's do a little poll. We'll either take your calls or your answers in the chat section on Facebook. Go to Facebook, search the Justin Kinner Show. I'm just curious. If you put Iowa in the American Conference, I think they would dominate. Again, by the way, everything would shift differently too because Iowa, you put them in the American Conference, you automatically lose how much money and how many resources. Cincinnati doesn't have as many resources. And by the way, we keep forgetting that we keep trying to force Cincinnati to sit at the adult table, but we saw what happened when they played adult big boy teams. They got beat 45 to nothing last year against the team that lost to the team that lost to the national champion. <laughs> like, that's all. I, I, I mean. Uh, okay, here it is. Iowa 2013. So it's been a while. So 2013, they lost to Northern Illinois. In 2012, they lost to Central Michigan. In 2011, they lost to Western Michigan. So, yeah, they're losing to Max schools, too. That's fine. That's adorable. But this is the now. This I'm is just the saying, now. they're, they're, they're that, losing... Their precious little Kirk Ferentz is losing you the match. You hate Kirk Ferentz, so that's why I, you made it. I 100% yeah. do hate Kirk Ferentz. <laughs> and by the way, uh, Travco says uh, Iowa 55, OSU 24. Never forget that. Oh, so. that, it happened. Mm-hmm. And so did well, uh, this uh, 27 to 21 loss yeah, to West Iowa Michigan. Beat, beat, okay, but Ohio State or <laughs> Iowa beat Ohio State, the Ohio State. If, if God was reincarnated as a football team, it would be Ohio State. They beat Ohio State by v. 30. By 30, yeah. and uh, that's not that impressive. But uh, it you're, 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 so for but, sure no, it is. But but Who you don't that? but you don't talk about that. You go find the, the bad losses. No no you no. You go no, find no, the bad no, losses. That was that Iowa was would dominate the American Conference. Uh, Dylan says Iowa would dominate the American. So there's that. Give me three players from Iowa in the NFL. Give me three players from Cincinnati right now in the NFL, and I'm sure there are, but none. I mean, again. Almost I must have missed it. them on the Pro Bowl game or whatever, <laughs> mainly because I didn't watch the Pro Bowl game. No, 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 no. You answer my question, and I'll answer your question. What? Give me three blasts from I, Iowa and NFL. There is none. Desmond King. Desmond okay. King. Awesome. <laughs> and? I'm, I'm, I'm playing the game, too. Desmond I'm, King. You're playing the game that no one agreed to play. <laughs> I was just saying, since Iowa was so great. I was, I'm not saying I was, I was great. I was I'm just saying that the American Conference, we keep trying to over-glorify them. They're cute. I ain't They're talking about the conference. I'm talking about you know, the... Put a little I'm ball in the middle of the floor, watch them play with it. I'm talking about UC. UC as a program because this is the same thing that people said about Utah before they joined the Pac-12. They'll never win in the uh, Pac-12. They won the Pac-12 conference. Everything, uh, everybody talked about Baylor and TCU when they joined the Pac... I keep saying it's Pac-12. When they joined the Big 12, they can't compete there. Yeah, Year one, 
they weren't great, but a couple years later, they were ranked five and six the first year of the college football playoff. In a point in a meaningless conference, too, by the way. No one cares about it. <laughs> By the way, now see now the now the now the listeners are getting into it. Billy Wright says, of course, leave it to a Michigan fan to use another team to trash talk fifteen or to trash fifteen and sixteen. So there we go. And uh and Brady says Noah Fant, CJ Beathard. All right, Brady, keep the Google machine going. Go. Come on, keep him coming. Noah keep him coming. Oh, uh, for the Broncos. Keep him coming. Of course he's a Broncos fan too, so that would make sense. So there you go. I Four five seven nine four six four. Of course, we're really doing this on Facebook and YouTube. So if you head there now, again, I'm curious. If you put Iowa in the American Conference, would they? Do- and by the way, I do. I, I really do. I really, really do. Cincinnati lost to Ohio. By the way, Cincinnati was a really, really good, really, really, really good team last year for the American Conference. They were really good for the American Conference, and they lost by 45 to Ohio State. They got shut out by Ohio State. I'm just saying. Hey, by the whoa, way. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So when Ohio State blew domination, I like that. Travis Kelsey. Uh-huh, that's adorable. It's cute. Also, UD, UD, also from my high school as well. Yeah, so. every every once in a while, small schools spit something out nice. <laughs> I mean, look, we're seeing it here in this city. Obi Toppin. I mean, just saying. Oh. It happens uh, from time to time. What's old boy, uh, uh, the, the Broncos fan that's on Brady. Facebook? Ah, yeah, uh, Derek Wolf. Also, UC. Okay. Play for the Broncos. Kelsey's brother. Trust me. Also from Cleveland All Heights. these teams. You see. They're not. Super Bowl champions, too, by the way. They're not trying to Super scour Bowl their roster, by the way, of Cincinnati to make, a, you know, to fill up a roster in the NFL. Jason Kelsey, Super Bowl champion. We'll be back Travis in a Kelsey, moment. My, Super Bowl my, champion. My blood pressure's going up. It's supposed to be a getaway day for me. I'm not going to let Kevin ruin, ruin the mood. It's so easy. You're easy. We'll be back in a moment. Not so long ago, lots of things made people happy. I used to love going to the gym. I miss saying good morning to my coworkers. Today, there are still things that can make people happy. Oh, how pretty. A beautiful bouquet of flowers will definitely make someone happy. First Florist and Greenhouses can help you make someone happy. Go to firsttheflorist.com, choose a bouquet, and they'll deliver it safely. Make someone happy with First Florist and Greenhouses. Did you know Brown's Nursery's annual stock reduction auction is on Saturday, September 12th? You can save hundreds, even thousands of dollars on high-quality nursery stock, trees, and shrubs. The auction starts at 7.19 a.m. and we'll have four, yes, four, auction rings running all day long. And you can jump in on the bidding anytime. Brown's Nursery, located half-mile north of Phillipsburg on State Route 49, four miles north of I-70. Take exit 24. Masks and social distancing are required. Go to brownsnursery.com for more details. Welcome back. So we are one game into the 2020 NFL season. The Chiefs come away with a huge win over the Texans last night. And uh, I'm not going to look too much into the Texans as far as saying, oh, maybe they made a mistake with how much money they paid Deshaun Watson. I do not. I mean, look, Deshaun Watson deserved to get paid. Um, Somebody was going to get that next big contract in the NFL. And Dak Prescott, had he probably won one more game last year? Had he beat the Eagles? I do believe. No, I'm saying they beat the Eagles last year and they even make the playoffs. I think Dak's paid. Like, I think he didn't get paid because they didn't make the playoffs. And I'm all for that because, again, how you don't make the playoffs with talent. I mean, again, I saw it from two of my teams last year and the Cowboys and the Browns. But the Cowboys are more stable than the Browns, so there's really no excuse. Uh, are they? 
Yes. Are you? They have an owner that constantly is putting talent out on the field. Um, his biggest mistake is being married to coaches too long who he gets too close with. Like Jason Garrett should have been, get, been gone long enough. Um, the Cowboys, they draft really well on both sides. They, they spend money in free agency, but they also... They draft. I mean, their defense. That's. Kind of, I mean, all that's done through the draft. That uh, offensive line. That was all built through the draft. You draft Zeke. You got Dak Prescott when no one else was looking at Dak Prescott. I mean, you made a big trade for Amari Cooper. You gave up a first round pick to get Amari Cooper. People thought that. Hey, you know, he he gave up way too much. That was foolish. I don't think it was foolish. He looked at his team and said, "Man, we desperately need a wide receiver to help this offense." And. Maybe a first-round pick might have been a little steep. for. I don't think Amari Cooper's worth one, but the situation was worth the first-round pick to go get a receiver to help the offense. When your team needs something, you Jerry, you Jerry Jones does it. When that team needs something, Jerry Jones trade? does it. When did they trade for Amari Cooper? Two, uh, two years ago. Two, not last season, the season before. Okay, I guess I could. So, like that—that that was big as far as as that's concerned. But they're constantly um, hitting big in the draft, and I think they hit big. In the, I mean, getting C.D. Lamb this past year and stuff. Like they—they they are a very good organization, but they just can't seem to. They are like Stephen A. always says: they're just an accident waiting to happen for whatever reason. They just can't get out of their own way. Um, but that's why I've always like defended Jerry Jones when people say he's a bad owner. I'm like, I think he's one of the top owners in football. Yes, he doesn't have a Super Bowl since the '90s. Uh, he had three in the '90s, but he hasn't had a Super Bowl since then. But man, when he's never afraid to go after whatever pieces that they need, and uh, that's better than most. I mean, most people that like to rip the the Cowboys, it's usually Bengals fans, and I'm like. The one thing you hate about your owner is that he's cheap and that he never goes and tries to get talent and that they never are willing to go that next mile to take the team to the next level. By the way, just because an owner gambles and takes a shot and spends money doesn't always guarantee that you are going to win a Super Bowl, but I would rather always have an owner that is always going to put his best foot forward and make a move that's going to help you win. doesn't mean you're always going to win, but I'd rather have an owner that's constantly willing to take a chance and make a move, unlike others who just sit back and just don't don't try to make it happen. All right, this may be an f- unfair question, but I'm going to ask anyway. Uh, so he got traded for a 2019 draft pick. Yep. First round. So out of the first round receivers in that draft, you had Hollywood Brown, uh, Nikhil Harry. Those are the only two wide receivers drafted in the first round. Yep. Mario Cooper is better than both of them. Mm-hmm. So if you were trying to get a wide receiver, I think it was a good move. I'm not with that first pick. No, I'm not saying it was a bad pick. People are saying that Amari Cooper's not worth the first round pick. Normally I agree, but because the circumstance at the okay. trade deadline, okay. yeah, the trade deadline okay. that okay. season, okay. they okay. were in desperate need of an offensive spark, and that's what provided that spark, and they had a shot down the stretch. No, I agree. I mean, on any other given time, Amari Cooper's not worth the first. Like if they try to trade Amari now. He, they're not getting a first round in return for him, but right. because at that time, that's why I always say you should make a move at the trade deadline to move on from, because teams who are desperate and desperately need something, they might be willing to give up a little bit more to get that piece at the deadline versus in the offseason when they have many more options. You don't have many options at the deadline when you're a piece or two away from thinking that you have a shot to not just make the playoffs, but make a, one, uh, make a run in the playoffs. All right, hour one is officially in the books. Hour two coming up. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash are going to bring you our three and out, three reasons why the Browns will win, three reasons why the Browns will lose. Same thing for your Cincinnati Bengals. Here's a little trivia for everybody right now who's tuning in on Facebook and YouTube. Now, Facebook or listening and you want to have a chance to answer it, head to Facebook, leave your answer in the comment section. The last 12 rookie quarterbacks drafted number one overall did not win their first start. 
who was the last rookie quarterback drafted number one overall to win their first game as a starter. And no, it was not Cam Newton. I already got that sent in. It was not Cam Newton. I'll help you out as far as that's concerned. We'll be back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Hour two of the Justin Kinder Show with Kevin Nash next. Justin Kinner Show, live here on ESPN Dayton. Hour two, Justin Kidder, Kev Nash with you here on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. We have high school football tonight. College Football Hall of Famer Keith Byers and myself, we will be live at Centerville. The Centerville Elks welcome in the Wayne Warriors. We'll hear from Roosevelt Mukes coming up here in hour number three, the head coach for the Wayne Warriors. What's up? Not there? What we got? Let me just see. Yeah, 2050, right? Uh, did you do 2055? Jingle 2055. Jingle all the way. <laughs> All right, so let's go to our trivia question. Uh, we closed out the first hour with this trivia question, of course, because we're going to be looking for Joe Burrow to put an end to this streak. Coming up here when he makes his first start, his debut with the Cincinnati Bengals coming up on Sunday. So, Kevin, the last 12 rookie quarterbacks that have been drafted number one overall did not win their first start. Who was the last rookie quarterback drafted number one overall to win their first game as a starter? Our guy Ron here, he says it's uh, Marcus Mariota. And he says he knows this because uh, he watched it. Winston and Mariota played week one. Ron, you're wrong. Mainly because Mariota went number two. So if, Mario, if, if Mariota won, that obviously puts an end to that. <laughs> so that was not it. Um, nope, wasn't him because he went number two. I was going to say Ryan Leaf, but he went number two. No, Peyton yeah. went one. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, like I, and so Joe Burrow is looking to do something, and there's a good chance he could do it. By the way, uh, there is a good shot that uh, Joe Burrow could win his very first game coming up. One more time, the trivia question for those of you listening on air, for those watching. Of course, you could uh, leave your answers in the comment section. But the last twelve rookie quarterbacks drafted number one overall did not win their first start. Who was the last rookie quarterback drafted number one overall to win their first game? Let me try one more time. One more time. David Klingler. No. You were close, though. You were very close. Here it is. I remember being a kid. I'm a big Dallas Cowboys fan, obviously. And uh, I remember watching this game. Emmett Smith was still playing as in the early 2000s. And uh, it was the very first game ever for the Houston Texans. It was David Carr. Really? David Carr back in 2002, uh, again, was the last rookie quarterback drafted number one overall to win their first game. And then, of course, you got Dean McDonald screaming, it's Carr. Dean, I read your post. Relax. I'm not going to give the answer away on the very first one. He goes, it was Carr. Just heard this the other day. Well, sorry to repeat something that you heard the other day, Mr. McDonald. So that's all. Uh, but no, Dean, you are correct. It was David Carr. So, uh, but David Carr again was the last rookie quarterback to win his very first game uh, as you know former number one overall pick. So can Joe Burrow do that on Sunday? That's going to be the big question. All right, Kev, let's do this. Every Friday from here on out, 
We will be doing what's called Justin Kenner and Kev Nash bring you three and out. The top three reasons why the Bengals and Browns will win their games that weekend and the top three reasons they will lose that weekend. Let's hit the ground running three and out. Browns, Bengals, Justin Kenner and Kev Nash go three and out. All right, you want to start with the Browns? Let's start with the Browns. Let's start with okay. the uh, yeah, yeah. we'll start with the wins. Three and out. Three reasons why the Cleveland Browns will win. You give your first one. All right. Miles Garrett. He's going to earn that 100 million dollars and dominate. He's going to take a good swing at it, huh? He's going to take a good swing at it. Uh, I agree. Miles Garrett's going to play a huge role in that, but uh, I am concerned about the defense. We'll touch on that in a moment. That's your one. My one, Again, three reasons why the Browns will win. Kevin Nash says Miles Garrett. My, one of my reasons is why I think the Browns win this coming up weekend. It was announced earlier today. Kevin Stefanski will be the play caller for the Cleveland Browns, and I think that is going to be very key as far as stability goes within that offense. Freddie Kitchens had no clue what he was doing. Freddie Kitchens, the one thing he accomplished in his short time in Cleveland was that he was able to connect with the players, which is difficult to do in 2020. It's difficult to connect with a guy like an OBJ, a Jarvis, and a Baker who have very big egos. It's difficult, and that's the one thing that Hugh Jackson couldn't do. It's the one thing that a lot of the coaches on that staff couldn't do, but Freddie was able to do it. But we saw that, hey, that it's not everything. You need to be able to know how to call plays and be able to put these players in the right spot. Jarvis Landry said one of the biggest frustrations about last season, the Browns always felt prepared heading into a game for their first two drives. They always had the first you know, first couple drives scripted out. They knew exactly. That's when they played their best football. They always looked their best in the first couple drives of the game. And then after that, Freddie had no clue what he was doing. That's why they were calling such strange plays in weird times of the game. They were trying to get cute, do flea flickers. I mean, they had a chance to beat the Patriots, and they did this weird flea flicker in the rain that ultimately led to a turnover in scoring position. The Patriots go down the field and win. The Browns could have easily won that game, and it didn't happen. Kevin Stefanski being the official play caller for the Browns is going to be huge. He has his two tight end set. He has his two dominant running backs. And, of course, Baker plays the best when he's in that play action style. So we're going to see how that goes. But that's why I think that's one of my reasons why the Browns have a chance to beat the Ravens coming up on Sunday. Okay, so you got Andy Reid calls his own plays in as a head coach. You got John Gruden calls his own plays as a head coach. Now you got Stefanski. Is Mike McCarthy going to be calling plays in Dallas? Yeah, I believe. So. Yes. Oh no, no, no. He's not. That was one of the that was one of the things about when he came in there. They kept their offensive coordinator. He's the okay. one guy that looks like he's 12 years old. I already From forgot Boise his name. State. Yeah, but they're keeping him in place, so he's calling the plays. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. All right. Uh, Reason number two why the Cleveland Browns will win. Clean game. Clean game by the Baker man. No turnovers, no fumbles. Clean game by young Baker Mayfield. Clean game. Again, we're playing three up, three down, three re- or three and out. I'm sorry, three and out. Browns are going to win. That was Kev's number two reason. Number two reason, very similar to yours. Baker Mayfield is going to have a big game. He was humbled in 2019. He was humbled. He's cocky. He's arrogant. He's had success everywhere he goes. Sure, he's had that come up from the, you know, out of nowhere. He's been the underdog and he's been, Two-time you know, walk-on. walk-ons and cut and all this stuff. He's a Heisman winning, you know. And by the way, you've seen, he was humbled last year. Things were chaotic last year. But we've seen that when Baker is able to play in a stable environment, you can win with him. Oklahoma won with him. 
they won a lot of games with Baker Mayfield. That was a stable environment. And when you provide a stable environment and a coach who knows how to call plays that suit his style, Baker has had a ton of success. That's why, to go back to my original point about Kevin Stefanski, that's going to be big. Two, I think Baker comes out and is going to have a much different approach on this coming up season. And I kind of I don't like that it's the Ravens that they're playing first, <laughs> but I kind of do because Baker needs – I mean, he needs – this is a good matchup. This is a good team to face right in week one because – not that they wouldn't have their attention already on the season, but they have to be locked in. And I think we're going to get, we're going to see a very good Browns team on Sunday. And it's going to be because of last season. The struggles in 2019 are going to lead to the success in week one against the Ravens. Baker's going to come out humble, ready to go. He now knows that, hey, this game isn't just going to be handed to you. You got to work for it. And that's why I think all the work in the offseason is going to come into play coming up on Sunday. Number one for me, the X Factor. The man out the backfield, the man. Hunt. He just got paid. He's an X-Factor in the run game. And more importantly, he's an X-Factor in the passing game. Those option routes he runs out to the backfield can have their linebackers dizzy. Check the ball down to the running back. Don't force the ball. Kareem Hunt is like a wide receiver with those hands. He is the X-Factor for the Cleveland Browns. Not only running the ball, but catching the ball. Big third down conversions from Kareem Hunt. As you noted, Last season, once Kareem Hunt got into the lineup with the Browns, Nick Chubb played even better. So the power of running game is going to be there with Nick Chubb. You sprinkled Kareem Hunt in, not only in the running game, but in the passing game, you win the ball game. All right, and my third reason why the Browns will win this coming up weekend against the Ravens, what you just said, again, it all kind of rolls back into where we started with with mine, with Kevin Stefanski, calling a good game. And calling a good game is not, again, because Freddie Kitchens last year thought that you have Baker Mayfield, who just threw 29 touchdowns, 27 touchdowns as a rookie, set the rookie passing touchdown record. He thought he was only, the sky's the limit, right? You're only going to go up from there. Mm-hmm. Freddie Kitchens approached it as he had this Madden-style offense that he was just going to throw it all over the field and be like, you know, it'd be like Showtime Lakers on steroids in the NFL, right? Like, that's what Freddie Kitchens thought. That's not going to be this Kevin Stefanski approach. He's going to set all the offensive attack up with the run. And we know how good of a team the Browns could be with just Nick Chubb at running back. But now you add Kareem Hunt into the fold. Kareem Hunt's not going to be your big power back. Nick Chubb's going to take care of that. It's going to be an excellent balance of the run game. It's going to open up the passing game. That's what I'm looking forward to coming up this weekend. The Browns will win because of Kevin Stefanski being the play caller. Baker Mayfield, a new Baker Mayfield. He's in 10 times better shape than he was a year ago. He was humbled last year, um, and, and I think that's going to be key. And then, of course, Stefanski is going to do what should have been done last year, establish the run, set up the offense through the run, set up the play action. That's where Baker Mayfield's really going to come into play. And keep in mind, that's also going to set up a lot of opportunities for Austin Hooper, and then that's also going to create opportunities over the top of the defense down the field for yours truly, OBJ. Yeah. So there okay. you go. There you go. That's three reasons why the Browns will win. Now let's take a look at why. Three reasons why the Cleveland Browns will lose. And, of course, everyone, they have their notes ready to go for this one. We'll start with you, Kev. Reason number one why the Browns will lose on Sunday. The question mark on the Browns team is their linebackers. Linebacker play. Lamar Jackson. What do you do? Zone read responsibility on the linebackers to scrape and take out the running back and the quarterback. Question is, can they do that? I'm going to say no. Linebacker play for the Browns is suspect. Zone read going to kill him. 
I'm worried about the, the linebacker play as well. Keep in mind, linebacker play last year is actually why they were able to beat the Ravens in Baltimore early in the season. They were able to contain Lamar. Uh, Lamar didn't have many, you know, op- he didn't have many opportunities whenever he did clear the line of scrimmage because the linebackers were right there waiting in the pocket. They were not. He was not at the beginning of the season. He was not chucking the ball down the field. He got better as the season went on. But early on, the reason the Browns were able to contain him is because they took away his opportunities of being able to make plays past the line of scrimmage. And of course, he wasn't throwing the ball up. At Time. But here's why I think the Browns will also lose coming up on Sunday. One of the reasons why that they could lose is, to your point, the linebacker play, but also they have no Greedy Williams, no Delpit, and I do not believe they did a good job addressing linebacker play this past offseason. I think I, and I don't even think they're confident in their pass rush. There was a reason that they were so heavy trying to go get Ngakwe. No, why do you think they were trying so hard to go get Ngakwe from the Jaguars? They couldn't do it. They tried really, really hard. They were willing to spend over $19 million to go out and get our guy from, of course, uh, the Seahawks uh, oh, wow. uh, and Jadavion Clowney, I'm sorry. They went after him at $19 million. The Titans got him for around 12 or 13 That's how much he didn't want to play in Cleveland. Cleveland desperately wanted him. He took $6 million less to go play with the Titans than to play with Cleveland. So they clearly were looking at a need saying, we desperately need to get another pass rusher alongside Miles Garrett to just you know put more pressure. I'm just not confident in linebacker play. And Denzel Ward, I'm just not big on the, on the secondary guys either as far as that's concerned. All right, reason number two. Uh, Ravens defense. I mean, come on. It's the Ravens. It's like your defense has always been good. I can't think of a time that the Ravens defense hasn't been good. The Ravens defense is always good. Ravens defense dominate. That simple, huh? Yeah. Just the Ravens defense. I mean, <laughs> the Ravens look, defense. The Ravens defense uh, obviously is really good. And uh, I, But, again, there's not many teams that have the offensive weapons that you look at and say, okay, they're equipped to go at uh, to go at the Ravens' defense as far as that's concerned. They lost to the Titans last year in the playoffs, 28-12. to That defense let Ryan Tannehill just run up and down on him. Now Derrick Henry played a huge role in that, too. Let's oh, now Tannehill's getting clear. love out of you. Duly knows. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not giving him love. What I'm saying is, is if Ryan Tannehill can carve up that defense. I'm just saying. And again, the Ravens, that's not who they were. They got to the playoffs, yes, because of Lamar Jackson, but because of that defense. All I'm saying is, is attack them the right way. You can get it done. The Browns don't need to worry about attacking the defense. They just need to worry about setting up their offense. But you are right, that defense. Now, here's what I am concerned about. OBJ and Baker both had bad years last year. Both are uber competitive and both are going to be doing their best to try to put their stamp on the game early on. Baker and OBJ have to be very patient. Because if they come out thinking that, if Baker comes out thinking he's going to will the team to a win over the Ravens in the first quarter, that's not going to happen. If OBJ gets frustrated because in the first three or four drives, they maybe only target him once or twice, that's going to be a problem. And I think the way the offense is going to run, Kev, it's going to be a heavy dose, as we talked about. It's going to be a heavy dose of Kareem Hunt. It's going to be a heavy dose of Nick Chubb to set up those opportunities. And I do believe it's going to be set up with the run. It's going to slowly kind of work its way out and start using, uh, obviously, Austin Hooper and Njoku, and then that's going to set up the attack down the field. If Baker and OBJ could be patient and allow the offense to kind of tell a story a little bit, I think the Browns will be okay. But I am concerned that Baker and OBJ will not be patient as far as that goes. That could be something to keep an eye on in week one. Number one for me, Lamar's arm. Last year in the season opener, 17 for 20, 324 yards, five passing touchdowns. There's no secret that he's getting better. Lamar's arm is legit. That's why the Ravens will win.
Yeah, Lamar Jackson last year and their loss to the Cleveland Browns. They lost 40-25 to last season. Lamar Jackson completed 24 of his 34 passes for 247 yards. He did throw three touchdowns. Uh, Baker threw for 342 and a touchdown against the Ravens last year. Look, Lamar Jackson, that's the number one reason why the Browns will lose on on Sunday. Uh, if they can't contain and you can't contain Lamar. Really, the only way you could stop Lamar is not on the ground but through the air. If Lamar doesn't have a good passing game, which is why I'm most concerned about the Browns defense, if Lamar doesn't have a good passing game, the Browns win. Because, by the way, there's not a team out there that's going to stop Lamar on the ground. You're not going to stop what he does as far as that's concerned. But Lamar became dominant when he was unstoppable on the ground and then became one of the top passers in the national football. Then you couldn't stop him because he could beat you in multiple ways. But if he doesn't have a good passing game on Sunday, uh, that's good for the Browns. But, again, I don't expect that. I believe the MVP is going to be motivated. He don't like how he went out for the second straight season. So that's why. Three up or three and out, three reasons why the Browns will win, three reasons why the Browns will lose. And that's where we are at as far as that's concerned. Now let's move on to the Cincinnati Bengals. Three reasons why the Cincinnati Bengals will win coming up this Sunday at 4 o'clock against the Chargers. Let's just, I'll start with this one. Confidence. I can't tell you the last, even those, Kev, think back to those last couple years that they made the playoffs. There still wasn't even confidence with that team because it was a situation where when you had Andy Dalton and you had that defense too, that one of the top defenses in the NFL the last couple years that they were making the playoffs in, in the stretch of five straight years, it was a thing where Fans weren't even that excited about the regular season because they knew, hey, I don't really care if this team's good in the regular season. They just can't win in the playoffs. I remember that last year they made the playoffs when they did have that dramatic out against the Steelers. Mm-hmm. That regular season was so boring. They won a lot of games, but Bengals fans just didn't care. Yeah. I remember the energy on the air that year. There was just, no one cared because everyone was like, I don't care if they go 16-0. to We just need them to win that one playoff game. That That's where they were at within the development of that team. So it's been a long time since there has been uber excitement about the Bengals from the beginning of the regular season, hopefully leading into the playoffs. I think confidence is going to play a huge role. That's one, one reason why this team is going to play inspired football on Sunday. Confidence is going to be key, and I think that's going to be one reason why the Bengals have a chance to win coming up on Sunday. I'm going to go off the beaten path a little bit with this one. Zach Taylor grows up and finds that Sean McVay magic that they hired him for. But what's that Sean McVay magic? I'm still trying to figure out what that magic is. Well, that's why it was hired. Was it almost getting shut out in the Super Bowl? Was it that magic? Was it being so good that they ultimately had to move on from Cooks and ultimately move on from, from Gurley? I, I'm still trying to figure out what this uh, this magic is that you're talking about. Hey. Fitz magic? <laughs> he's, no, he's in Miami starting that quarter. Oh, no, trust me. I know. <laughs> but they find the magic. Find what he was hired for. You know, stretch run game. Play action passes with Joey B. That's why he was hired to call these great plays and design these great plays to get these weapons open. And I think Zach Taylor can do that. Yeah, I think one reason that they have a chance to win, too, uh, Zach Taylor is not even 21 yet, so he won't be out at the bars. He will be at home studying the playbook, getting his team ready to play. Now, reason number two uh, why I think the Bengals have a chance to win coming up on Sunday is for, I mean, this is exciting, too. Joe Burrow fits the offensive attack for Zach Taylor. Like, Zach Taylor's style of offense that, of course, he did take from Sean McVay, to your point. Andy Dalton didn't fit that. Andy Dalton did not fit that. And obviously last year, you know, when they were trying to go, uh, you know, and see if they had a good backup quarterback or at least a future, you know, starting quarterback, that didn't work out either. Joey B, if he plays up to the way he's supposed to, if he lives up to the expectations, he fits that offensive attack real well. And keep in mind, he has weapons around him. So I do it. Joe Burrow being put in the right spot within Zach Taylor's offense. If those two click along with the confidence, I do believe that's another reason why they have a good chance to win on Sunday. All right, number two for me. Mike Pouncey is out the starting center for the Chargers. Geno, dominate. 
dominate the line of scrimmage without their starting center. Nose guard going to be going up against a rookie. You got to dominate. Got to dominate? Got to dominate, Gino. All right. One reason to think that the Bengals are also going to win, too. As much as I can't stand A.J. Green's health, he's healthy. He's playing. He's not. He's ready to go. Joe Burrow's going to have a full cast of weapons. The reason they have a chance to win on Sunday is because if that offensive line lives up to what the owners think is all of a sudden just going to magically go from one of the most embarrassing lines in football last year to a good line this year, Joe Burrow's going to have Joe Mixon. He's going to have A.J. Green, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, like, the weapons, those the weapons are the, the offense. Forget the defense. I still think the defense is a concern. The offense is why I think that the Brown, or the Bengals have a chance to win coming up on Sunday. They have weapons all over the place. Joe Burrow doesn't have to be, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Joe Burrow just needs to be Joe Burrow. He's not going to be the Joe Burrow that you saw at LSU right off the bat in his rookie year, but he's a playmaker. I think he's going to be good too. Gino is out too, which is a problem as far as the defense. But we'll touch on that coming up in a moment. Oh, Gino's out. Yep. Gino's oh out. well. Oops. So there you go. <laughs> Oops. There you go. And reason number two for you. Oh, uh, that three. was number two. This is number one for me. Uh, You're going three to one. I'm going one yeah, to three. We'll four, figure it out. Yeah, it's we'll the first run. Yeah. First run. Uh, you know, Joey used to be a point guard in high school. Guard. Wow, he does everything. Yes. Goodness. <laughs> Between that and walking on water, what can't he do? So we want Joe Burrow to go back to his point guard days in high school and distribute the rock to his weapons. Just like you said, he has a ton. He has Joe Mixon, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd. He has Alden Tate. He has T. Higgins. Just get your playmakers the ball. Just be the point guard that you are. Get on the ball and have fun. All right. And then, of course, and, oh, absolutely, as far as that's concerned. But, again, the Bengals opening up. The one reason that they will win coming up on Sunday, the number one reason that they are going to win coming up on Sunday Tyrod Taylor started. <laughs> the Chargers aren't that good. The reason they were at the top of the draft there with the Bengals. This is a battle of two teams who aren't that good. There are some weapons on the offensive side, but not many. Um, this wasn't a good team last year when they had a quarterback, and now as much as you're not well, like Phillip Rivers, but Tyrod Taylor is way worse than Phillip Rivers, and that's one reason. So the Bengals, it's going to be fool's gold. They'll have a big game against the Chargers, a rebuilding team on Sunday, and uh, this will start the, start the process of getting Justin Herbert in as the starting quarterback in the coming weeks. So the Bengals will win on Sunday if they win on Sunday, and it's going to be it, it is what it's the Chargers. It's not a good team. They're not. Even, I mean, the Browns at least have the Ravens coming up on Week One. So if the Browns end up losing to the Ravens, you know, a Super Bowl contender, and the and the Bengals end up beating the Chargers, everyone's going to be going and saying, "Relax." Like the Browns lost to a Super Bowl contender, you lost to Justin Herbert's backup. That doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, <laughs> you're so foul, man. Call it how I see it. Right down the middle. Fair. Oh, man. Well, number three for a losing reason for the Bengals would be uh, the guy you just talked about, Tyrod Taylor. The last time before last season, the Buffalo Bills made the playoffs. Tyrod Taylor was the quarterback. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is the average quarterback, but we've seen the Bengals lose the worst quarterbacks than Tyrod Taylor before. So if Tyrod Taylor is the Tyrod Taylor of Buffalo, they can win. Tyrod, the Bills made the playoffs that year not because of Tyrod Taylor. They made it because of that <laughs> defense. That like, first and foremost, it was all that. I'll never forget one of the final games that season that Tyrod at quarterback. I mean, it was it was that snow game or whatever. I mean, and it wasn't even the snow game. It was the next week too, where they didn't score a touchdown for two straight weeks through the air. Tyrod Taylor just, and then of course we saw what happened—the debacle with the Cleveland Browns. They should have started Baker from the get-go. Just saying, they they start Baker Mayfield that his rookie season. They beat the Steelers, and they have a chance to beat the Saints. 
And they still almost beat the Steelers and Saints with Tyrod Taylor quarterback. But anyways, all right, one reason that the Bengals are going to definitely lose coming up on Sunday, that offensive line, it's not that good. It's not that good, folks. I'm sorry. It's just not that good. You spent $160 million in the offseason. You addressed every need on that team except the most important one, which is, of course, your offensive line to protect that quarterback. I just don't see it. That you, you didn't make any changes at all to that offensive line, and you're going off of, oh, because, you know, pro football focus in Cincinnati, who, by the way, of course, likes to kiss ass to the Cincinnati Bengals, is trying to convince you that the Bengals' offensive line was good. Give me a break. No, that offensive line's not good. That's the one reason right there that the Bengals aren't going to flow offensively coming up this Sunday. Piggybacking off of that offensive line, same people as last year. Um... Is the growth there? Is the weight gain there? Is the strength there? It's been a short off season. Well, it's been a long off season, but you haven't been in those mini camps and everything like that. A uh, big thing with offensive lines, as we all know, is continuity and getting that rhythm and getting that right five guys out there on the line. You know, you basically only had training camp. You know, you have tons of mini camps and you work out together and now that camaraderie. That wasn't there this season, so you have this one short window of training camp, basically a month and a half, to build up that offensive line and make sure they're all on the same page. Uh, time will tell, but as of right now, it's a no. All right, one other reason that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to lose coming up this Sunday, that defense, although you spent $160 million on it, it's bad. It's real bad. It's not good. You wasted a lot of money on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Bell, obviously, you go out and get him, and everyone gets excited because, you know, once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye, regardless of talent, unless you're Tate Martell and all that. I mean, the Bengals' defense is going to be slightly improved, um, and it might look better. Keep in mind, remember the, the Bengals in Week 1 last year? They looked really good in Week 1 last mm-hmm. year. And uh, then they just, I mean, the wheels came off after that. I think that's what's going to happen this week. I think that if... The Bengals play a tight game on Sunday. It's not going to be because the defense is better. It's going to be more about the fact that the, you know the Chargers' offense isn't that explosive. But I don't trust the Bengals' defense as far as that's concerned. I don't get how you go from one of the worst in NFL history uh, to all of a sudden being totally turned around to being favored to win, which they're not. No, the, Steel, the Bengals are not winning coming up this Sunday because of that defense as well. I got the exact reason. Wasting money on defense? Question mark. We're going to find out if it was wasting money uh, by 7 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, but you're 100% correct. It's a lot of question marks out there because it's a reason why Von, Mil- Von Miller, Von Bell is with them and not with the Saints anymore. You know, they let him go for a reason. Um, so it's a lot of question marks. You, you talk about San Diego and Tyrod Taylor not being explosive, but, you know, they have Keenan Allen. They have Mike Williams. You know, these are big receivers that go up and get those jump balls and everything like that. So we're going to see if Vaughn Bell has the range to get over there to blow somebody up to make an incompletion because that's what they're going to be doing. They're going to be throwing jump balls, and we all know that because they're both 6'5". So we know the game plan for San Diego. Can Vaughn Bell stop him? Can he help stop the passing game? So I don't know. That's the question mark for me for the Bengals is the defense. All right, and the number one reason why the Bengals will not win on Sunday Joe Burrow's a rookie. Joe Burrow's a rookie. He's missed a lot of time out on the field. He hadn't had all offseason. Look, that's not my excuse. That's everyone else's. We talked about how COVID has totally impacted his growth. Not as much time out on the field with his teammates. A.J. Green decided to wait till the final week of camp before he decided he wanted to actually put, you know, his pads on. So we'll see. I think, you know, everything that was said about Baker of trying to force the ball to his number one receiver, I think Burrow could potentially feel the pressure to do the same thing. Say what you want about A.J. Green, but A.J. Green is playing for his career. He's playing for that extension, and if Burrow is 
passing the ball all over the place and not targeting A.J. Green, that's going to be a problem. A.J. Green, though, when healthy, is really, really good. But, again, A.J. Green hasn't played in two years. So I'm complimenting this offense, seeing how many weapons they have, but this isn't the A.J. Green of old. This could just be old A.J. Green. We'll see what happens. But Joe Burrow being a rookie, too, I mean, I think that's going to play a role in why they do not win coming up on Sunday. Luckily for him, he gets to start at home, and at least it is a team like the Chargers. But we shall see. Baker had to go out, well, would have been starting against the Steelers had he been thrown to the Wolves as far as that's concerned. Oh, yeah. The Chargers do have this dude named Joey Bosa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Joey Bosa and that offensive line for the Bengals. That is why the Brown, or the Bengals will not win come up on Sunday. So keep in mind, we and by the way, last year was such a good year for Joe Burrow that Joe Burrow, I mean, can you think of any time that he was actually tested? Uh, the closest game that they played last year was the Bama game. Mm-hmm. And even then, like, he was in complete control of that. But he had a good offensive line. Oh, yeah. Wasn't pressured. Wasn't hurried. He wasn't hit hardly at all. Um, he's going to be hurried. He's going to be hit. He's going to be facing pressure. If you think that Joe Burrow is going to be as comfortable with the Bengals behind that offensive line as what he was with LSU, that's the thing. I don't see Joe Burrow being Joe Burrow in, in this twenty nine in this twenty twenty season. The reason Joe Burrow could be Joe Burrow at LSU is because he literally had everything you can imagine around him. A dominant run game, great NFL receivers all around him, offensive line. He had everything. He had everything. He doesn't have that. He doesn't everything. have a good everything. He doesn't have a good offensive line. I'm not convinced that Zach Taylor is going to be capable of calling. You know, uh, being a good enough. Guy. By the way, Zach Taylor will not. When this team does figure it out, he won't be the coach. He won't be the coach. He won't be the coach. I don't think he's a good coach. I don't think you get no Christmas cards from him. Uh, well, I don't think anyone that coaches or manages in Cincinnati has me high on their list right now anyway. So there you go. All right, folks, and that is the Justin Kinner and Kev Nash three and out segment that we will be bringing to you every Friday. Three reasons why the Browns and Bengals will win and three reasons why they will lose. Kev, who do we got? We got Charlie. Charlie, what's up, man? Justin, I, I uh, had a nice little Facebook post yesterday. I should have shared it on your, uh, on your Facebook page, but... Uh, I have the AFC North breakdown. I can give it to you real quick. I'm going to bring it. All right. 16 to no Bengals, let me guess. What? 16 to no Bengals, let me guess. No, I didn't go 16 to no Bengals. I got got Ravens 12 and 5. I got your Brownies 10 and 6. I got... How do you go 12 and 5 and then 10 and 6? What? You said 12 and 5 for the Ravens? Oh, yeah, 11-5. and five. I'm sorry. Oh, there we go. Okay, I did hear five. So 11-5 and five for the Ravens. Okay, keep going. My bad. 10-6 for the Browns. 6-10 for the Steelers. <laughs> and 9-7 and seven for the Bengals. 9-7 and seven right. for the Bengals. Okay. Now listen, can I defend the Bengals' defense, please? Yes. I know that they Open were horrible nine. and they're, they were last ranked, and, and I know that. I know we got some new pieces. But, man, I'm telling you, the time of possession, no one ever that our offense was so bad last year, the defense was on the field for the whole game. Of course you're going to give up a ton of yards and a ton of points. But they're not that bad, Justin. They're not that bad. And, of course, the Von Bell and D.J. Reader were better. But I, I, bet, I bet they finished middle of the pack. I bet our defense does. Well, I mean, you're giving – okay, you're – you're talking about this defense as if it's not as bad as you think, but I mean nine and seven, that's a lot of wins. That's a lot of wins yeah. for a team that won okay. two last okay. year and, and that's and you said and you said our offensive line did not improve. That's not true. We've got a new starting left tackle and a new starting right guard. 
uh, a rookie. Improvement. A rookie. Okay. You don't know who he is. Well, he's still it's an improvement over somebody. But how do you know that? How do you know that? Well, I'm saying, you guys said it, it hasn't changed, nothing has changed. Okay, fine, I'll reword it. The offensive line is different, but it doesn't mean it's better. Okay, and also, here's the, that is the final thing with the Bengals. A.J. Green, when playing, the Bengals have a 60% winning record percentage. When he doesn't play, they only win 22% of the time. So, odds are we're going to win Sunday, and odds are we're going to win every game that A.J. Green plays in. Do you... Do you do you really think that those and I saw those numbers I saw that the other day in which by the way I'm not not going to sit here and tell you AJ Green's not good but I'm also not going to sit there and say that the winning percentage uh, was what it was because of AJ Green I don't think receivers have that much of an impact on a team's win percentage. Well, you know what I mean. Obviously, you know he hasn't played in forever, but he is JJ Watt level. Like he's single-handedly won us games. You know that on those acrobatic catches at the end. He's beaten the Ravens like four times just by himself on a jump ball. You know, he has that ability. I hope he comes back. Like, I hope he just plays at all, to be honest with you. Like, I'm so worried about him getting hurt. But, uh, man, I ate. As, as cocky as I can hear your voice about the Browns, I'm pulling for the Browns. I hope you guys win some games this year. Because if you guys don't win 10 games to go to the playoffs, I, I, I don't know. Maybe just tear the stadium down. I'm with you. The, the biggest thing I'm terrified about is them not being able to win with talent. Because how do you convince your fan base that better times are coming That when you can't even win with talent? Because then I don't know how you can ever convince your fan base that uh, you're going to be able to turn it around. They have talent. Even the biggest Browns haters have to admit they have talent. So they do. And the only reason that there's expectations for the Browns is because of that talent. I mean, people like to say how bad they are. But, I mean, you don't have expectations if you have a bad roster. So that's where I'm at as far as that. I agree with you, by the way. And uh, I was never making excuses for the Browns. I, I talked about how bad they were last year. And I'll talk about how bad they are this year if they don't win games. I just really think that they're equipped to win games mainly because they got a new head coach. I don't think you're making excuses. I just I can I can hear it in your voice. You know what? The team that's going to surprise everybody is Pittsburgh. They're not they're not going to win the division. They're not going to be good. I don't care what anybody says. There's no they have no offense. Uh, Charlie, we're coming together as friends now. Now I like the way you think. I like the way you think. You made Kevin scrunch his face over here. I'm just keep, keeping notes. Keeping notes. I, Kev, Kev, I love you. And the Steelers, I think, have the best defense in the NFL. But, you know, last year was the first time since, like, 1970 that they didn't score over 30 points in a single game. And you think that's going to change? Yeah, they're getting a Hall of Fame quarterback back. Uh, from 10 years ago. No, from two years ago. Yeah, I, I heard Troy Aikman might come back. Maybe the Cowboys should get him. Two years ago, hey, he threw for 5,000 yards. Okay, with that Antonio Brown? Yeah. With Le'Veon Bell in the backfield? Yeah. Get him, yeah. And Juju Smith. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All kind, all, a bunch of Juju's ballers. still there. Okay, but he he's the number two guy. You know that. Clearly, last year, he couldn't play. He couldn't take over that lead role. Yes, and like I've been saying on this show since I got here, Deontay Johnson will be a star this year. Okay, Antonio Brown was like Randy Moss level good. So, I mean, you know, you're going to get those kind of numbers from a guy like that. It's like A.J. He's, he's next level. But, I, man, I just don't. I think Ben's going to get hurt again. And I just, I don't Duck Hodges ain't, ain't the answer. Well, he's, he's on a practice squad anyway, so. Well, he's the second best quarterback. I don't that know is true. That is true. Squad. Because if, if Ben gets hurt, he definitely should be starting because Mason is terrible.
I don't even like looking at Mason Rudolph's face. <laughs> Neither do I, and I'm a fan of the team. I can't stand Mason Rudolph. I don't know what it is. I I just I'd like to. He, he has that punch me face, man. Hey, yeah, in the movie Step Brothers, he's like, I don't know what it is. About Got you. I just want to. <laughs> I just want to punch you right in the face, and that's Mason Rudolph. Man, I'm so glad that he got hit in the face with my helmet. <laughs> nice. Well played. Charlie, we out, man. Have a great weekend. Hey, happy Friday. Have a good weekend. Who day? Adios. Now, who day? We day. Who's we? Black and yellow. Nope. Ask Will Allen. What about Will Allen? I mean, we got that interview around here somewhere. Maybe we should play that. Nice try. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> We'll be back in a moment. More of the Justin Kinder Show with Kim Nash next. From faulty breakers to broken windows to leaky pipes, roofs, and water heaters, homes and businesses around the country can't work until the pros do. That's why Lowe's created credit programs that work for pros. With everyday 5% savings on eligible purchases, plus through October 31st, 60 days promotional financing on your Lowe's business account or extended terms on eligible account receivables. Learn more in-store or online at Lowe'sForPros.com. Putting money back in your pocket. Just one more reason Lowe's is the new home for pros. Subject to credit approval, U.S. only. Goodyear knows why we all love basketball. It's the sound of the buzzer, the roar of the crowd, the swish of the net. It's the spin on the ball as it's released, the squeaking sneakers before an inbound pass, the timeout that gives us perspective on the moment. We love basketball because we love movement. And now that it's back, we're asking you, the fans, what moves you? Goodyear, more driven. Sports injury, low back pain, or are you interested in improving your performance and getting to the next level? Orion Sports Medicine is truly a unique sports medicine and physical therapy clinic and training facility. We offer a highly educated staff that has experience working with athletes from the recreational and youth levels to elite professionals. We offer services that include PT, functional assessment. I'm thinking of you. What kinder words could be more meaningful at a time like this? At First Florist and Greenhouses, we know everyone is coping the best they can. And when hugs are not possible, a kind word or gesture can bring comfort and a smile. So today, make that phone call or send a heartfelt note to someone you care about. And if you'd like to send a fresh bouquet of flowers, we can help with that. We're First Florist and Greenhouses at 1306 Troy Street in Dayton, a local family-owned business since 1905. And we're thinking of you. Holy moly, happy Friday, everybody. We have a big one tonight. It's our ESPN Dayton High School football game of the week. And, of course, that is going to feature the Wayne Warriors on the road taking on the Centerville Elks. It's our week three high school. It's been a while since Tom Brady has been an underdog in any matchup. Really? In the regular season. Our trivia question here as we close out the second hour of the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash. The Saints are three and a half point favorites over Tom Brady and the Buccaneers for their week one showdown. Tom Brady's streak of consecutive games as the favorite is officially snapped. How many straight games was a Tom Brady favored team? Or how I'm sorry. How many straight games was a Tom Brady team favored before this week. We're going to get into that as we come up on the other side of the break as we kick off hour number three. Uh, coming up in hour number three, Roosevelt Mukes. He's the head coach for the Wayne Warriors. We'll chat with him as we preview the matchup between the Warriors and, of course, uh, the Centerville Elks coming up here in a little bit. Ron, you're wrong again. Ron is guessing six. Ron, you're not even close, my friend. <laughs> not even close. I thought you knew your quarterback, man. I thought you knew your guy. You should know everything about Tom Brady. 
Also, keep in mind, get your, speaking of picks, Kevin, get your picks submitted at wingam.com. It's our NFL Pro Challenge Pick'em Contest, and it's presented by Frickers. And all the winners, of course, was a Tom Brady team favored in the regular season before this game with the Saints snapped that streak. How long was the streak? We'll talk about that. Kev Nash, Justin Kinner, we'll be back. Hour 3 next. Show live here on ESPN Dayton. Justin Kinder, Kevin Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. I hope all of you are doing well. Again, we're excited to be hanging out with you here on a Friday. Hope everyone has big plans. You know, it's funny today. It's not actually, it's not funny. Um, 9 11, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, the month, the year is flying, the month is flying, and I just woke up this morning, I'm like, oh, it's September 11th. Uh, and the more and more you get yourself removed from that, the, you know, it's just crazy to me. I was in fifth grade. I was in fifth grade. I remember being in elementary, like, I don't remember much from elementary school. Mm-hmm. There's only, I have two memories from elementary school. I have no clue why that, three. Two of them are sports related. One of them was, of course, uh, you know, 9-11. I just remember, like, you could just tell as a kid, like, there was the mood was uncomfortable in the building. Teachers are crying. Um, we weren't, I mean, the teachers just had the news on the entire time. And, like, we're, like, as kids, we're like, who, like, we didn't understand what was going on. You don't care. But every kid is just very tense and tight because you're, like, you could tell something's off. You just, you're not understanding what you're watching or what you're witnessing. Uh, but that was nuts. But back in February, um, I was fortunate to be at the, the BSM Summit and, uh, in New York. And that's really before everything just went to hell right. uh, with the virus. And, uh, you know, going to New York, one of the things I really wanted to make sure I got to do was go to the 9-11 Memorial. And I was very fortunate to be able to do that. It was cold. It was so cold. It was miserable. I uh, literally probably should have just said, you know what, forget it. I'm not going. But, no, I wanted to make sure that I got to check that out. That was eerie because I found yes. myself walking around the Memorial just like, everyone, you know, I'm reading the names and everything. But every once in a while I would stop and just look around. And I was looking up at the buildings just trying to, and it sounds weird, trying to picture standing there in New York that day, st- like not just in New York, standing there on that street that day, looking up, just seeing a plane fly into a building. Right. And then to, all the videos you see, like I'm obsessed with like on the History Channel and everything, like every year on 9-11. Like tonight when I get home after the game, I'm not going to watch any games. Like I'll just, I'll turn that on. I love watching those documentaries on that. Just the, you know, the live footage. From, it's weird. Like it's weird that I'm like obsessed with that. But like, it's just crazy. Like, and we're so far removed from it. I mean, there's, like, it's nuts. But that that was the one of the weirdest days. I, I just, I was in fifth grade. Fifth grade. And uh, I just remember all the teachers. I mean, there was nothing going. Everyone stopped. And it was just, the news was on. And there's when you had those big box TVs. Mm-hmm. All the, all the fl- flat screen TVs now. I'm officially at the age where I could say, well, back in my day, we had the big old box TVs. That's basically what was going on. But that was, that was nuts. I remember coming home, too. And that's all that was on for the next week or two is the yeah. news. Um, sports came to a complete stop. Not for long, though. A couple days later, you know, I don't care about politics, folks. And if you want to get political and turn this into something, you can kiss my ass because that's not where I'm going with this. But one of my favorite memories, sports memories as a kid, I don't care if you were a George Bush guy or not. I still get goosebumps watching that when George Bush walked out of the Yankee Stadium to throw that first pitch that day. Fans crying, players crying. Like, 
you know, today we're so damn divisive. I mean, race is, is you know, front and center on everything. And by the way, I'm not saying that as a bad. I'm saying, like, everything is just a problem. Divisive as in race isn't divisive. Race is the problem that we're trying to find a solution to. There was no race that day. There was no black or white. There was no Asian or Hispanic. There was no Yankees fan, Mets fan. I saw a tweet out earlier today. I can't remember who tweeted it out. It was an awesome tweet. And I'm like, that day, there was no racism. That day, there was no hating your neighbor. That day, there was no... That day, everyone was... American. That day, everyone came in together, and it just it disappoints me to see how far we've come from that to this, where everything is just destruction. Like, we're just, everyone's at each other's throats now. It's disappointing, but that day, it, you hate that it takes something like that, a, a disaster, to bring people together. But, man, it's just interesting thinking how quickly things have changed since then as well. Absolutely. It's hard to believe that was 19 years ago, uh, and it reminds me how much older I am than you, even yep. though, you know, we bicker at each other like we're the same age and everything like that. I was at Wright State already, and I remember that day. When I was in fifth grade, you yes. were at Wright State already? Yes. <laughs> you were old as hell. How about that? <laughs> Living it up, partying it up. So while you were going to lunch, I was going to a party probably that evening. <laughs> Me too. I was a really cool fifth grader, man. But no, I was working at the Wright State Library, and uh, I woke up to uh, ESPN on my TV and they're showing the first tower already hit. And I'm thinking to myself, why is ESPN showing a movie? So I turn the channel. Same thing. I turn another channel. Same thing. Turn another channel. The same thing. I'm like, what is going on? Until I took the time to read exactly what had happened and start listening to what was going on. I was like, what? So my first instinct was to call my aunt because my yeah. aunt she lives in new york and she actually works down work near the towers and you know this is can't get any phone calls to go through the grid is totally shut down you can't make any phone calls into new york so i call my mom not trying to be funny cell phones what kind of i was uh, in fifth grade phone. so i know every fourth grader yeah. today has cell phones but back flip then. phones and the uh nokia snake Remember I remember the Nokia bit. phone because yeah. I was I was so cool and I had like the you can get the basketball shell the basket <laughs> that you put around the Nokia phone. Do 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 do. Oh yeah, yeah. So I uh, couldn't get in contact with my aunt uh, or my uncle or my little cousin for that matter. So I reached out to my grandmother. She was trying. I reached out to my mom. She was trying. Nobody could get in contact with her um, until like two days later. Like, uh, we actually heard from her, like, uh, my uncle shot uh, my grandmother an email to let us know that she was okay, and she didn't go to work that day. And, you know, so once we got all that information and everything like that, you know, everybody on campus is just like, they shut everything down, and we're just on campus just talking like, what's going on, yada, yada, yada. And uh, it's at that moment that everybody realized that we're right by, right Patterson Air Force Base and you hear those jets take off you hear that sonic boom dude I thought another plane was hitting us I, I mean because with the I base was, being right there too yeah. like you never know what people are after you never stuff, know you what's know. going on because obviously it was in New York it hit in DC in the Pentagon but it was also a plane crashed in Pennsylvania as well so at this point we don't know anything what's going on what are the target places and you hear that sonic boom go off you know, I, I still think about that to this day. Like, man, like, yo, that would have been the craziest thing. Well, it is the craziest thing yeah. ever. And it's just a reminder of how delicate life is, how, you know, we argue about the most 
mundane things and things that don't matter in the grand scope of things. I don't care what you say. Iowa would not or would dominate <laughs> in the American Conference. That's not one of the dumb... No, keep going. I'm so bad at interrupting. <laughs> but it's, it's just one of those things, man, that makes you think back and think about, about unity. Yep. And coming together. And at that moment, how brief it was, people were unified because everybody knows somebody that was in New York. And also, another thing about that, that... um I talked about how my mom just recently retired. She was a registered nurse for over uh, 30 years, and she recently retired. And after she found out that my aunt was okay and everything like that, her first instinct was, I got to get up there to New York and help the people. And I was like, what? No, you're not. And it's like it's like her instinct was that to go to help the people because that's her profession and that's what they do. And I called my brother. I was like, hey, <laughs> and this is how me and my brother talk. Hey, you better go get your mama. She talking about going up to New York. And I can't repeat what he said <laughs> on the air, but he took care of it. And my mom did not go. <laughs> Four five seven nine four six four. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on fourteen ten uh, ESPN Radio. Justin Kinner uh, and Kev, again taking your call. So I was reading something and got distracted right there. Anyways, um, here's the deal. Like, and, and again, I just want to touch on that. But just being in New York that time, you know, I was able to get some cool pictures and everything. But just it was surreal standing mm-hmm. there looking around. Like, um, they they had a cool sign up that says that um, on the birthdays of every everyone who passed on nine eleven, um, and their names were around that memorial. They go and they lay flowers out there in remembrance of them on their birthday and everything. I thought that was really cool. Um, but yeah, it's, we're so far removed from it, and it doesn't seem like that long ago. But it's about it's going to be twenty twenty one. We're about t- almost twenty years removed from it. Crazy. Yep. I mean that's that's nuts. All right. Uh, tell you what. I, I mean it's weird going from that to it's it's always a weird transition to go from anything happy go lucky to this. But uh, I tell you what. Um. We talked uh, yesterday with Jay Paterno from Penn State about uh, this upcoming college football season. We talked about it to open up. I want you guys to think about this as we go to this commercial break. Um, Everyone right now is saying that the Big Ten is not being transparent in anything, and I need you to think about this. Do you believe that the SEC and the ACC and the conferences that are playing, how transparent do you think that they are being? Now, you're probably wondering what the hell I mean by that. What I mean by that is this. Everyone thinks that right now the Big Ten... No, they cancel. They pull the plug on the season, and then they go ahead and say, and then that they're not giving a reason for it. Folks, do you think that the ACC and the others have given a reason why it's safe to play? Mm. I, I I have yet to. I did a lot of research today, Kev. I didn't come across anything. Kenner's on the case. As far as, and again, I'm for play. I don't mind them playing. I want the Big Ten to play. What I don't like is this temper tantrum that Big Ten and Buckeye fans and Buckeye media are throwing. That's the problem I kind of have with it a little bit because everyone's like, well, how come we're not doing what the SEC and everyone else is doing? We're not being transparent. The SEC and everyone else, they're not being transparent either because they are the only difference between the Big Ten and those other conferences is is that the SEC and those other conferences, they told their fans what they wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. So when you tell them what they want to hear, there's no questions asked. Now, there are those who are still concerned about the virus, but guess what they did? They opted out. They opted out. They got to choose whether to play or not. Big Ten fans, they were just told you're not playing. And, of course, that's not what fans want to hear. So now they're asking questions as far as, okay, how does that happen? How do you do this? You know, how, how are you telling us we can't play but they could play? The thing is, I don't think the SEC can answer that either. The SEC is not able to answer you and tell you exactly why it's safe for you to play. They're doing the same thing the Big Ten is. Here's an example as we go to break. The SEC says, hey, 
Our medical experts tell us it's safe for you to play. Oh, great. Cool. Medical experts. They say it's safe we can play. And we want the team to play, and the players want to play, and the coaches want to play. Great. No questions asked. You move on with your day. The Big Ten does the same exact thing as the SEC. The Big Ten says, hey, you know what? Guess what? Medical experts say it's not safe to play. Well, what are they saying? What, what research? What exactly? So the Big Ten, you may think they're not being transparent, but let's be clear. Those other conferences aren't being transparent either. The difference is is, is that you think you are smarter than medical experts. Mm. Now, which medical experts are right? Games was a Tom Brady team favored before this week. A couple of guesses real quick. Ron says uh, six. Um, Charles Tackett. He says 74 straight games. That's his answer. Whoa. Don Roberts says, I do believe that it's 82 or 84 games. So that's a big range. Yeah. Ron says six. The highest that we're guess- getting our guesses on is 82 or 84. What do you think it is? 15. Again, this was a big streak that was snapped. Tom Brady's regular season teams have been favored up until this matchup. They had been favored 74 straight games. Congratulations, uh, Charles Tackett. You win nothing, but you do get a little pat on the back, so congratulations. The Patriots and Tom Brady in the regular season were favored in 74 straight games. Oh, Dean McDonald, the the, the Google the Google machine champion coming through clutch saying 74 as well. Yeah, 74 straight games the Patriots in the regular season were favored. Now, let's be clear. That doesn't always mean everything. You know that last year out of 16 games that the Browns were favored in 13 of the 16 games? They were favored in 13. Now, they the three that they weren't, the Rams, they almost beat the Rams. Mm-hmm. Okay, The Rams are favored in that game. The Browns were not favored against the Steelers in the game that they beat the Steelers. Right. And there was another one. Uh, they were not. No, they were favored against. I'm losing uh, the Patriots. They, they weren't favored against the Patriots. They were favored in 13 of the 16 games last year. Wow. And they could have beat the Rams. They beat the Steelers. In smarter play calling, they probably beat the Patriots. Just saying. <laughs> but anyways. All right, folks, we'll be back in a moment. Kev, we'll talk soon. Take care. Yes, sir. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Trying to maximize fuel economy? A fuel system cleaner should help. It restores your fuel system to help improve gas mileage. Right now, we have buy one, get one free Chevron Techron complete fuel system cleaner, plus a $1 bonus reward if you're an AutoZone rewards member. And you can get what you need fast, your way, with our free same-day pickup. Getting the job done just got easier. Restrictions at AutoZone.com. Hiring can be challenging. But ZipRecruiter makes it fast and easy. We talked to Monica Starks, who needed to hire for her company, GS Group. As the owner of a construction company, finding the right people is a very difficult task. So I use ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds the right people for your... Did you know Brown's Nursery's annual stock reduction auction is on Saturday, September 12th? You can save hundreds, even thousands of dollars on high-quality nursery stock, trees, and shrubs. The auction starts at 7.19 a.m. and we'll have four, yes, four, auction rings running all day long. And you can jump in on the bidding anytime. Brown's Nursery, located half mile north of Phillipsburg on State Route 49, four miles north of I-70. Take exit 24. Masks and social distancing are required. Go to brownsnursery.com for more details. 